Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Yeah, no, I don't think you've ever met him before. Uh, he actually was on the podcast with me for a couple of years before you came along, Reggie. So this will be your first introduction. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, are you ready? Okay, I like where the levels are bopping there, so keep them right there. I'll give you the three S's. I'll give you the uh, countdown. You give me the music, and I'll give you one hell of a podcast. How's that for a deal? All right? Okay, you're all set? Put down in the books, uh, episode 259 or 259. All right? Star, smile, strong. Okay, here we go. Ready? You got it? Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. Or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, we are there. It only makes sense. We should be, right? We are your favorite podcast. And don't forget, you listening to this podcast is not your only responsibility. No, no, no. In addition to listening and being a loyal listener, you have the added responsibility of getting out there and spreading the word. So send a link, send a message, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a neighbor that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic and why the heck isn't it there? Your loyalty and devotion and that little extra effort is much appreciated and may just get you a shiny little sticky star. Also, if you're new to the podcast or you like what you're hearing, you've been even a long time one, and you haven't heard all the podcasts, go to WGNRadio.com, go to the podcast section of the website, you'll see a prompt for this podcast, click on it, and you will find, amazingly, all 258 previous episodes. According to my abacus... If there's 258 in the vault, yeah, welcome to episode number 259. Today is going to be an interesting podcast because uh, I've got a special guest. Uh, Every so often I have guests and regular contributors. Over the past couple of years, uh, one of our regular contributors has been uh, Emily Armanetti, and we always go into the Pop Culture Club with her. But before Emily, for you longtime listeners, for those of you who are listening way back when, in fact, this month, I have to go back into my uh, daily planner for 2021. I actually need to go back for my daily planner from 2015, which I do have. I have to check to see when the first episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic ever was posted. Uh, It was certainly in May, I believe. uh, It was recorded in mid-May, and I think it was posted sometime around May 18th. I should know that by heart, but I don't. But I will go back into my exhaustive, uh, exhaustive set of files to find that out. But this month will mark, incredibly, the sixth anniversary of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. 
And uh, as I said in the opening, this is episode 259. And they said it wouldn't last 250 episodes. So there you go. I do have uh, some of my early um, show notes with the date. So I will go on there too to actually to find out when and the exact date, if I can, of when my uh, my current guest here today first appeared. It was certainly early on. For those of you who have been listening since the beginning, uh, if you remember, uh, the first one of the key card members of the Pop Culture Club, one of the initial members, is back after a long hiatus. Certainly glad to have him back. So welcome to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, my own brown dirt cowboy, Mick Kaler. How you doing, Mick? I'm doing great. I finally paid all my dues up, so now I'm back in, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in good graces with the, uh, with the, uh, the clubhouse. Yes. Now, we should say that uh, Mick was on, uh, I would say, you were on for at least uh, six, eight months or not a year, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was in, in, in the Pop Culture Club, definitely. Yeah, on the podcast. And then, um, uh, then Mick, of course, <laughs> had to make money and get a real job. Yeah, and so, to work. so it cut into uh, it cut into the studio time. But now, thanks to the um, advances in technology, uh, and thanks to a, you know what? First of all, I have to thank once again. Uh, a lot of people have been complaining about the COVID pandemic. Aside, uh, clearly, aside from the death that and it is in the illness, which is death is a usually is, is it's a it's a big it's a biggie. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to downplay death. It's 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 pretty important. But aside from the illness and death, I once again I have to thank uh, Zoom because if not for Zoom and and its technology and and emerging through the pandemic, we probably would not be getting together to be able to do this because we haven't had the time uh, during the day and and things like that because of your schedule. But now, thanks to the pandemic and thanks to Zoom, uh, we're able to do this. That's what technology does, and that's what time does. And just think of all the people who are realizing that they could work from home and not their offices. Yeah, well, carry on all their meetings. And I, I have a couple of friends who are not traveling anymore because they do everything from their house. I don't think there's going to be such thing as an office. Right. In a lot of places, there's not going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. I, I don't know if, if I if I own the John Hancock building right now. Wow, I I, I look into condos. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's like in the job of leasing office <laughs> yeah, space wow. or office furniture to um, uh, to different businesses, you guys have got to find a new job. Yeah, think yeah, think if you way. think if you invented the office cube, the cubicle. Right. Oops. Yeah. I mean, first of all, over the last several years, they were even going getting away from the cube uh, kind of culture and just having these big, wide open spaces. Right, doing the open room thing, like a bit open newsroom. Yeah, now they don't even have the wide open spaces anymore. Yeah, it's like, no, just stay at home, just do it from your house. Yeah. <laughs> so I should introduce Mick, uh, for those of you who uh, do don't know him. Uh, first of all, you can see his um, his weekly, uh, sometimes, uh, but certainly regular uh, contributions to the WGN Morning News right here in Chicago, which is also, um, isn't that nationwide on the cable? On the cable, as they say? I believe so. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's on WGN America anymore, but I don't so I don't know if if maybe W maybe the local WGN um, newscast isn't nationwide, but in the Chicago area, it certainly uh, can be seen. It's the number one news um, 
show in Chicago in the morning, and Mick and uh, one of his partners, uh, Al Flash, uh, contribute regular parody songs based on news items or things that have to do with the morning show, and uh, they are played on a regular basis, and so you can certainly hear um, Mick's uh, work there, and if you are have been a regular listener to Chicago radio over the last uh, couple, three decades, uh, Mick uh, had been the producer with some of the uh, the biggest shows in Chicago radio, uh, including uh, working with Larry Lujak, one of the great legends of Chicago radio of all time, um, as well as Murph in the Morning. And then uh, then you went countrified. Yeah, I got countrified with US 99 for the last 10 years of my radio and then uh, decided that I didn't need to do radio full-time anymore and got into teaching. But again, with the parody songs we do for Channel 9 and other little things, I keep my feet in the water just a right. little bit. So, yeah. yeah, so Mick and I, uh, just as a little brief history, Mick and I met when we were in college. Mick was a couple years older than me, but we, we bonded over uh, our love of radio, our love of music, and mostly... And uh, initially, over our love of the Honeymooners TV yeah, show. That was, our, that was our first common denominator, for sure. Yeah, I had, I had a radio show on on a Sunday night, and um, uh, Mick had already been on the station for a year or so. Um, I don't know if he was just... Uh, it was right at the beginning when I first started uh, my show. I don't know if Mick was just you know like uh, scouting out the competition, <laughs> but uh, he was listening to my show, and uh, I played a song that uh, was featured in a Honeymooners episode, a famous Honeymooners episode. The song was a big hit, actually, in the 40s and 50s, uh, sung by many people, including Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra does a version of this song. No kidding. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's, it's not as good as the one that was played in the episode, but it's a song called The Hucklebuck, which was, was a dance, like uh, all the big dance crazes of the 50s and 60s, uh, you know, like the twist, but The Hucklebuck was a dance, and, uh, you know, Ralph and, and Ed Norton in a whole episode about this song, and I had a, a, a version of this song, and I played it on my radio show, and Mick uh, called in, and uh, we were not, I wasn't on the air uh, with the phone call, but, uh, you know, he said, hi, you know, this is Mick, and I'd seen him around the station, and I... Uh, seen his name and I knew him just you know through sight. We didn't really. I don't even know if we ever really met Met up to that point. No, I don't think we did. No. And uh, and Mick called in and he said and 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 what I, what I knew this was going to be you know uh, a long time um, love affair was um, he didn't even he if I believe and I think I have this correct. You just said, "Hey, this is Mick." I said, "Yeah." And you go, "Is that from the Honeymooners?" <laughs> like you didn't even you even mentioned the song. No, the reference you just you just said was that from the honeymooners and i was i mean so i was like okay i've got a kindred spirit i off i often joked at um you know twin sons of different mothers right and um i knew exactly what he was talking about he knew exactly what why i was playing that song and uh from there we had a very uh fun and successful little partnership at that radio station and beyond and we have uh continued to be uh friends and colleagues through the years and so when it was time to do a podcast uh, I've always enjoyed talking to Mick. We have a great uh, chemistry, and like I said, a, a share a, a love and interest and uh, expertise, I like to think, in, um, in music and pop culture. So who better, as I said before, to be a charter member there you go. of the Pop Culture Club than, uh, than Mick Kaler. And so now I, thanks. I, I, yeah, go ahead. I'm considered, I'm considered an officer, right? We're, we're, like, we're like above the regular members. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're, you're definitely on the I'm administrative side. Board, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You're on the board of trustees. Yeah, I mean, you might be chairman of the board. I'm I, no, no, no. I'm, I guess I'm chairman and CEO, but you may be like 
uh, you know, vice president, exe- executive let's, vice president. Let's put it this way. If you keel over tomorrow like Prince Philip, yeah. right <laughs> oh, me a veep? I'm taking over. Me a veep? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I thought uh, for Mick's um, ceremonious return here to the podcast, as I said, uh, for the first uh, at least year or so, certainly the first several months, Mick was a, was a, was a regular contributor, and we talk about different... Um, different topics that were going on. And so I, I was looking around and I said, boy, if, if, if I have to bring Mick back, and which, I, which I've wanted to do for a while, uh, no better way than to uh, bring in both a pop culture as well as a music topic. And so I think this one, and, and it's actually now become um, relevant even more than it was initially, I think. So uh, I'd like to just get to it. A few months ago, I think it was back in April of 2021, which is scary to think that's already six months ago, I think. <laughs> How fast is it? August. It was like August. Like, yeah. Um, last year, yeah. Rolling Stone, uh, uh, yes, folks, Rolling Stone is still around, by the way, um, put out a, an updated list of their um, uh, not-too-conceited uh, not list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is, it, it's kind of a, a modest list. And it's according to them. This isn't about sales. This is all based right. on critique and um, interpretation of what is great and what's not great. Yeah, nobody went up to a mountain and a uh, and a bunch of fireballs, uh, you know, you know, read out, wrote out the list on on a bunch of tablets. Yeah, it wasn't chiseled in stone. Yeah, like like the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I am the Lord that God. And so, um, but they put out a list of their 500 greatest albums of all time, and now they have done this list two times. Um, in the last, uh, say, 20 years, one time in 2003 and then one time in an updated version in 2012. So it's been a while, um, and I was struck to see how much the list changed um, in terms of not only the top 10, Mm-hmm. But the entire list in general, I was—I guess I was a little surprised, but then not surprised. Okay. Before you go further, one thing I wanted to ask, because I remember the original list, like in two, 20, 2003, but was there, between 2003 and 2012, was there much change, or did they just add a few albums? Yeah, I mean, there was there was some change, but the, the top, I mean, the top album did not change. Okay, so it was like some state consistent, but they might have, you know, obviously between 2003, 2012, there's some, you know, decent records that come out where they say, hey, right. you should be in that list. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there were new additions, okay. but, but this was radically different. Uh, mm-hmm. This new list was yeah, radically different. And, right. and I guess, it, it, I mean, and to some extent, I, I can see why, because uh, over the last 10 or 15 years, the music business has really changed. And certainly rock and roll, which was the dominant music since the 50s, um, has, has, you know, and I've been saying this for more than uh, 15 years at least. Sadly, we never thought it would happen, but rock and roll is a niche music right now. Right, it's not mainstream by any uh, stretch of the imagination. And there's a good chance that within the next 10 years, I mean, rock and roll, as hard as it may be for some of us to fathom, um, may be in the same category as big band Mm -hmm. and jazz and blues, which certainly has a, a history. And certainly has a very loyal following. Certainly has a, uh, a, a you know a major cultural impact uh, 
in 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 especially in the United States. But in terms of being what was once the music of the day and dominating both on the radio and uh, uh, you know and on record sales and things like that, uh, there's at this point you can't you can't not rock and roll is not even close to that anymore. No, no way. I mean, if you watch the Grammys, right? I mean, do they even? Is there even a song with a guitar in it? Hard to say. A lot of it's the beatbox. Yeah, I was just I was just going to say, <laughs> is there even a song with an instrument? Right, exactly. It's all <laughs> on the computer. No, and, and and again, you're right. It's just it's it's changed. There's been a shift. Uh, I call it an erosion because uh, you know, first of all, a lot of rock acts they're either you know the artists are either dead or not as you know played as they were, and they're certainly not putting out new product. Like, you know, that that is embraced the way it was, say, 20 years ago. And again, like you said, you know, the other forms of music, the pop, the hip hop and the rap has certainly just overtaken the, you know, the popular culture. And there's and and the other side of the coin is, uh, you know, you you have to if you really want to be are going to be honest about it. There's a whole I think there's there's probably almost two generations. There's there's at least Mm. one full generation that has grown up with nothing but rap. And and pop music, and by pop, I mean I mean your Britney Spears type of pop music. I'm not talking about like your your 70s kind of pop. I mean like your the big overproduced, exactly. uh, you know, in uh, sync boy bands, uh, mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera, uh, you know, um, uh, Taylor Swift, that type of of pop. Mm-hmm. But there's, I mean, because if you think about it, most of us, when we, I mean, I was younger, I don't know how, how old were you, do you think, when you really, when you were really, when you would consider yourself a, a music fan, when you, when you listened to it regularly, when you, when you bought records, and when you started to really get into it in terms of, you know, accumulating knowledge and things like that? I was probably about 10 because my sister was four years older than me, so I was picking up what she played in her bedroom on her stereo, and then I'd ask, well, what's that? Or who's that? And, and I'd hear it from there. Then I started getting into my own taste as well as what she was influencing me with, too. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was like nine. Now, I, I was an only child, so I didn't have that advantage. I had to sort of learn everything on my own. My parents mm-hmm. uh, were, were older as well, so they weren't even raised on rock. They were, they were raised on the, you know, the big, big band. band and stuff so, like so I wasn't, I didn't have anybody like you to, to either hand me down some albums or, or, you know, share, you know, hear the music coming out of their bedroom or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but so, uh, so if you think, say, and say we were young for our age, but the average person usually starts to get into music in their teens, and maybe now it might be younger just because of the, the convenience that's on your computer or on your phone. Sure. So there's like more. 12, 13, 14. Yeah. So, to say, I like this artist, I like that artist. Yeah. So even if you were born in the late 80s or early 90s, by the time you were 10 or 11, that's, that's the 2000s. Right. And so by then, um, you know, there's Eminem and there's all the, I mean, they're all there. You know, the, the, yeah. that, the, the, the rap thing and the hip hop thing is in full bloom. So there's certainly one generation that has, has, has grown up with it. And now there's another generation now that that's the only music they've ever heard on the radio. Exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that's what stays with them because they don't have that historical reference to say, you know, like when we were growing up, of course, we knew who Elvis was. And even people maybe 10 years younger than us did. Now, if you said Elvis, they, you know, kids today would just be like, Elvis what? You Elvis know what's so, 
Well, I tell, but, but that, that that's an interesting topic too. And before we get to the list, I think I think that that's an interesting thing to talk about too. Because even to, you are exactly correct. If you asked anybody today about Elvis, now people will know the Beatles just because the Beatles have done a great job of marketing. Right, kept themselves uh, vital. Yeah, now, but Elvis, sadly, you know, he passed away in 1977. Uh, the irony is that his fan, his fans, and his stardom has become or at least was, so over the top that the irony is that his fans have actually made him a joke. Right. You know, with all the, the, the Elvis impersonators, yep. Elvis's music has really lost a lot of its respect, or it, 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 it does, it's not even, he's not known as, for his music, he's known as the guy with the white jumpsuit. Right, and the nutty fans and the people that, you know, yeah. just a great slant and all that. And and it's a shame because I mean Elvis I mean you know the king of rock and roll I mean I don't even know I mean that almost sounds kind of trite these days sure because I don't know if the average um, even twenty year old has a real um, appreciation of Elvis Presley yeah but here's the thing when you were younger when I was younger I knew who Frank Sinatra was. Same here, yeah. I knew, uh, you know, that music. And I, I wasn't a fan of necessarily, you know, Tommy Dorsey and Harry James and Glenn Miller, the right. big band era. But I certainly knew who Frank Sinatra was. I knew who Dean Martin was. And, and, I, knew, and I knew who Elvis Presley was. And I knew who, uh, you know, Little Richard was or, or Buddy Holly. I knew those people from the 50s and 60s. They may not have been my favorites, but I certainly was aware of some of their bigger hits and knew who they were. But once again, I think if you ask younger people today, even though they have unprecedented access, to, we didn't have access to think about it. We didn't have access to the music that they do today. Right, the, the archives and the videos. In and two seconds. You, yeah, you can go on anything. Yeah, you go on YouTube and you just type in Elvis Presley. You could be there for 20 days. We couldn't right. do that. Right. And yet, you without even with that excess, they don't seem to either care, or they don't seem um, they haven't been um, you know schooled on it. And and it's amazing how um, really their whole their their whole sense of history is less than twenty years. Exactly. Well, the other part of it too, Jim, and I teach high school kids. Even if they're talking about one of their hip hop songs, they like. And someone refers to it, if it's more than two years old, I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> they're like, oh, man, that is so old. No. I'm like, two, no, seriously, they're, they're like that. It, two it, years it, old? Oh, yeah. Yeah, somebody the other day was bringing up some song or some artist. We were talking about something, and someone just said, dude, that's way too old. I'm like, when did that come out? I'm like, two years ago. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, that's like, <laughs> You know, that's 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 like cobwebs on it. It's ancient. Well, if, well, I'll, well, I'll tell you. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. If there is no <laughs> historical reference. It's now what is happening right now or five minutes from now, and wow. that's the focus. So that's why you don't have. You know, we were just we were talking about the rock thing, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, okay, what is a rock group that's been out in the last twenty years that people could maybe relate to? You know. I thought, well, maybe the Black Keys, maybe somebody like. But that's that. kind. Of, but that's not even. Re- I mean, that's still a that's a hybrid of of right. of hip hop yeah. or rap. Right, and, and it's funny too because I look at Pearl Jam. I think of Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam's first record came out in 1992. Yeah, that, that okay. was okay. That was well, that was 30 years, years ago. ago. I mean, you know, or, 
or I think of Green Day, same thing. Right. Like these guys are ready to be grandfathers. Yeah. And again, like I said, even if you put new music out, that historical reference is lost to a lot of people who just don't get into that. And therein lies the problem of, like you said, someone not knowing who Elvis was, you know, or, you know, God forbid, an Elton John, you know, or an Eagles. It's like, well, what's that? Well, you know what's so funny? I, I was reading something, and, and I, I never really thought of it, but this article really struck home because as now uh, we start to look at many of the legends of rock from dating back to the 60s and 70s. Some of them are still alive. Some of them are, are not. Uh, but as we look at them, so you, you, you know, Bob Dylan, in fact, this month turns 80. Yeah. Uh, I think McCartney will turn 80 this year. Mm-hmm. We, were making a big, we were making a big deal about it several years ago when, when his age matched when I'm 64. Right. Remember that? Yeah. yeah well, that was 16 years ago. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, Jagger is 76 and, 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 and Elton is 74. Springsteen is 71, 72. So we have a lot of these uh, baby boomer, uh, you know, 60s and 70s rock stars who are still around. But I have to think that in the next 10 years, 10, the next 10 years are going to be a very interesting time because we are going to lose, and this is no great, you know, prediction, but we are going to lose – I inevitably some of the biggest rock stars in history. Yeah, at least one of the the two surviving Beatles is going to be gone. A Rolling Stone will die. Yeah, you know? I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's not, it's not, it's not being mean. It's just that they are at that age where if they can, you know, another ten years is uh, is is not a guarantee when you're when you're yeah. seventy five or eighty. Right. And um, I really wonder when when those big kind of Mount Rush, I mean, Roger Daltrey, I didn't even know, is like 77, almost 78. When those big kind of Mount Rushmore names do die, I just wonder then, does, is rock, I mean, right now, rock and roll may not be dead. It's not dead, dead. But it's certainly um, in the ICU. It's on life support. And yeah. it's on life support. Yeah. It's on the ventilator. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, and that's not an exaggeration. I mean, but I would, I think the only reason that we're, that even rock can remain somewhat in the mainstream, in the zeitgeist, in, in the conversation is because there are still these legendary people like McCartney and Ringo. And as I said, Mick Jagger and Bruce Springsteen and Elton John and, and Billy Joel and people like this and Neil Young who are still around and they still tour. Right, still playing. But when they when they die, or if they when they retire from the road, then I mean, I then I wonder if rock and roll really then the casket is closed. Well, and part of the problem with that is it's not just that those artists leave. Think of the influence they have, or they've had, you know, on other you know younger acts, artists, etc. If you don't have those guys around playing, then no kid can say, well, I was 10 years old and I saw Bruce Springsteen and now I wanted to get a guitar. Right. You know? and, and, and that chain, that chain of influence, and the chain of influence is already fading, but it's going to get worse because, you, you know, I, I saw Springsteen and I wanted a guitar. Bruce dies or goes off, goes <laughs> off the road or whatever. Then it's like, okay, who's going to influence you to want to get that Fender Telecaster and learn how to play chords and maybe start a band? And that's again, like you said, it's just it's just like it's like this just dwindling chain that's just kind of eroding away as time goes on, and that's that's sad, kind of. 
Yeah, well, but but then then but then add this to the mix. So so now we are in we're in the uh, you know the kind of the the mode of of legacies, right? Yeah. Everybody now is worried about their legacy. You know who sure. who in the next fifty years will still be mentioned? You know, based on uh, you know on, on on their body of work, um, given the dwindling influence and, and exposure of much of this music to a younger generation. Um, you know. How many of the names that we take for granted as legends, right? How many of them really will transcend into the next fifty years or into the next century? And and there's I read this article and um, this one author said, well, basically, when you talk about in, in history, when you're talking about a hundred years from now, probably, probably, he said. Yeah. Probably, it'll be the Beatles and Bob Dylan, and that's it. And that's it. And so, of course, everybody just you know was piling on. How could you say that? What about the Rolling Stones? And what about the Who? And what about all these? Other and and he said, "Well, wait a minute. Okay, tell me when you think about the big band era, do you come up with seventy five bands?" No, you don't. You come up with a couple of staples. Yeah, you say Glenn Miller, and like I said earlier, Glenn Miller, Tommy Dorsey, Tommy James, maybe. Yeah. You know, you don't say Basil Fomine or <laughs> or Teddy Fioretto and Little Jack Little. You know, those the people of the era will say, geez, what about, a- I mean, ACDC was great, or but, but right. and things like that, and some of these other, you know, oh, the Who was great, or the Kinks were great, or but... Really, when you start to look, I mean, perfect example. Okay, talk to me. Okay, I, I say to you, Mick, give tell me some of the great uh, the great uh, jazz artists. Uh, Charlie Parker. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I'm kind of stuck. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. I, I, think, I think it's someone they made a movie about. <laughs> and all that. So again, like you just said, you lose that. Everybody else kind of falls off the cliff. Yeah, and so and so. I mean, so think about it. If if we're over here wondering right now, you know, can rock survive? Right. Wait till I'm, these guys die. Yeah. I mean, it's going to really be historically. I mean, there's no doubt that the Beatles have to be there. You know, but yeah. but this guy's even talking that maybe Elvis won't even be there. It's, it's very possible. And again, because of, again, the age thing and the fan thing and all that, and you're just going to look at a couple of examples. And, and getting back to that for a second, Jim, uh, have you seen the, the BG special? The, uh, the yes. BG thing? Yes, okay. very good. So I found it interesting when they interviewed Justin Timberlake was so into them and talking about them. And so was uh, the guy from Oasis. And I'm like, okay, it's great that Justin Timberlake says the Bee Gees are awesome, but it's like, now Justin Timberlake is older too. Right. So it's like, does he really have where some kid says hey Justin Timberlake says that uh, Barry Gibb is awesome I better listen to them Th- that again gets lost in this historical reference issue yeah I mean I mean I mean to your point I think I think uh what is it 2021 I believe sometime in the next two or three years like Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears in theory even though they don't belong will be up for induction in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Right, and they'll get in because of the popular. Well, but, but once again, I, I think I, I've said many times that they, that if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going to continue into the next you know decades, they have to change their name. 
Yeah, and there have been some artists that have said this, and it should be the Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's got to be the top. It's got to be either the Music Hall of Fame or the Pop Music Hall of Fame, or at the right. very least, if you want to keep Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that's fine. But you need an umbrella mm-hmm. that needs to be the umbrella thing, and then you have to have like you have to have a different, a smaller subsets. Right, little subsections of care. Like, oh, here's the pop, and here's the hip hop. If you want to keep the, yeah, because, you know, they're trying to like dotted line, like, oh yeah, uh, well, you know, Janet Jackson belongs because, well, no, she doesn't. Right. You know, Madonna doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they're in anyway, even though Jethro Tull isn't. So figure that out. But, um, so anyway, um, so rock and roll finds itself in a very precarious position for the first time in its, its history. It has been the, the dominant, um, you know, youth oriented music dating back to the mid-50s and Elvis Presley. Um, and even though it's, it's changed its sound and its face over the last 60, 70 years, um, it still had been the main music. But as hard as it is, as I said before, for, for people who have grown up and lived with it, and it has lasted much longer than anyone expected because, it, you know, sure. you listen back at the time, back in the 50s and 60s, you know, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin were, make, were making jokes about this, like this some goofy fad. Yeah, it'll, it'll go away to Yeah, So it certainly has outlasted its critics. But uh, as we talked before, over the last 20 years, easily rap and hip-hop and pop have 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 dominated the charts, dominated the records, and dominated the pop culture, and so it's not surprising then that Rolling Stone magazine, when it now updates its list, because once again, you know, don't forget, uh, you know, even eight years, the last eight years from 2012 till now, you know, nine, you know, eight nine years, uh, music has has drastically changed um, in terms of how it is delivered, how it is listened to. And that's a key as to who is listened to. I was just going to say, and that's the other part, is who is listening to it and who is paying credence to the new acts. And again, they're obviously younger people who are putting more, I guess you say, emphasis on some of the records that they're including on this list that they they, they didn't before, or the, because the music wasn't out before. you know. And then it's like, oh, I like this now. This is good. Well, think about it. When we, had, when we went out and bought a record, you know, when we, you know, back you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, there, not that it was her- Herculean, but there was actually like a physical effort. Oh yeah, I mean you had to get up, you had, you had to leave your house. You had to, you had to go to a store. <laughs> and you had to go filing through the records alphabetically, and you had to look for your. You know, it, it was funny. I was just thinking the other day about Rolling Stone Records going there, and I remember the first time I ever walked in there. I almost got depressed because I realized <laughs> I'm never going to own all the music I want to own. I was okay. scared to walk in there. This. <laughs> This was a record store that's still around on the northwest side of Chicago, and it literally, I mean, it is literally wall to floor yeah, filled with records. There, there's not an open space. No, there's yeah. not an open space. There's bins in the middle. I mean, it, and, and I remember, like I said before, in the 70s, walking in there, you'd walk into this place. It, you, you, it had windows, but it had no light because even the music racks covered the windows. Yeah, and, and again, like you said, there was the physical act. I got to find this album. Okay, this is the one I think I want. I'm going to flip it over. I'm going to look at the other songs. Then I'm going to see if there's something else I want to buy. And again, look at like you said about the music delivery. Nowadays, what do you do? You go to YouTube. You want to download a song off of uh, online and do that, and or get off of Spotify or whatever. That's what you do. So that whole physical act 
And, or the best part was, and you probably did this many times too, Jim, going to a record store with your friends. Oh, that, that was oh, the best. We went, we went to Rolling, as you mentioned, to Rolling Stone because it was, it was literally 15 minutes from where we lived. Whether it was on our bikes when we were younger or then when we was able to drive when we were 16, 17 years old. But we would literally go to Rolling Stone at least three to four times a week. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a thing where, where if we were out, especially in the summer, you'd be like, okay, well, we just went to McDonald's. And what do you want to do now? I don't know. I want to go to Rolling Stone. Yeah. And we'd kill, we'd kill, we'd kill an hour. And you never know what you're going to find. And to put it in perspective for people today, it'd be the similar, like if you watch the Big Bang Theory when they go to the comic books. Right, exactly. Yeah. And they're looking for new <laughs> things or things they haven't owned or whatever. That's what it was like in the record store. And, and again, but, it's changed. But my point is that at least there was an effort. You said, I, I, I not only do I like this song, Mm-hmm. But I like it so much that I'm going to actually get off the couch. I'm going to get on a bus. I'm going to get on a bike. I'm going to get in a car. And I'm going to drive and go to the, or walk or some way or nag my parents to drive me there. But I'm going to get physically there. And go. Whereas now, I mean, I'm just, I just click on my phone. Yep. I hit three buttons and I bought a song. And I own it. And I own it. And I bought it and I listened to it. And so sadly, you know, the, once again, the irony is that, that technology has made um, music more accessible, which is great, but, in, but at the same time, I think it's also made it disposable right? because it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't have that same mystique of, of, of owning it and buying it and the effort it took. I mean, once again, since it doesn't exist you know, nowadays in any kind of tangible form, it it, it 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 almost feels like oh I don't I, I oh I forgot mm-hmm. that I downloaded that song at two in the morning, right? But if you brought a record home, if you brought a forty five or an album, it's sitting yep. there. You know you bought yes. it. You've got to sit. And the other part of that that I wanted to bring up was the communal effort of listening to a song. Like you said, you you click your phone, you click your uh, your mouse on your computer and download your song. You can do it by yourself. That's fine. What did you do when you bought a new record? You called your friends up. Hey, I got the new Eagles record. I got the new Rolling Stones record. I got the new Elton John record. Why don't we come over and listen to it? And three or four guys, you know, people come over. You sit in your beanbag chairs and you listen <laughs> to music, okay? And, it's, and, and, and that kind of communal, you know, let's all check this out together. I remember when Who Are You came out. I was a senior in high school, and we were all excited. And we, I got the album. I had friends over, and we put on the stereo and listened to it. And it's funny because I've told my students about how we used to listen to records that way. And we'd all get into the songs. Oh, I like this one. Oh, I don't like that one, whatever. And it's funny, though, Jim, a lot of the students have said, that sounds like a really cool thing to do. Isn't that wild? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But, but, they, but they, don't, they don't know that effort. Because like you said, you download it and you can forget about it. It's like, I didn't know I had this on my phone. I forgot about this. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean today, sadly, overall, we are less... We are less a less communal society in general. Not even sure, just for listening records. Yeah. You know, we are we are not uh, because of technology. We have uh, movies in our home. We don't have to go to the theater. Even right. before the pandemic, we've got uh, you know music on our our phones. I don't need to go to your house because you bought the record and I don't have it yet. Mm-hmm. I, I I if you say oh you know what I just uh, you know, I just downloaded the new you know whatever album I say okay boop, boop, boop. okay I so did I. Yeah. Bye. I you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And then I hang up and listen to it. 
So, you know, they're, they're, like I said, the, the, the experience is different and, and the delivery system is different. And I think the attachment is different to the music. But as I said, um, with this list, um, I'm not surprised now when you look at the way everything has shifted and how we listen, what we listen to, uh, and, 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 and what music has become. I'm not surprised that the Rolling Stone list uh, this time of 500 greatest albums of all time, the, 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 the placement of, of the songs has, has just is, is almost flipped. The bottom has become the top. And the top has become the bottom, and many of the of the longstanding names and the legendary names that we would that especially an album or I mean a magazine like Rolling Stone would have in their list because it was rock and roll dominated, um, even in uh, are gone, and even in the introduction to the story, okay, the in the magazine, the editor says, okay, this wrist list is no longer. What, what what he would call rock centric mm-hmm. you know I mean he said it is no you know the list is no longer rock centric it now is diverse and it is you know it's a reflective of the of the times and of the listeners and 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 we said before as to how people listen to music and and even about with rock and roll I mean the thing about Rolling Stone you know as I, I joked it's still it's still around you know, the funny thing is, I'm sure if you talk to the editors of Rolling Stone today and you said, geez, you know, Rolling Stone used to be the rock and roll magazine. Yeah, it was the place to go for knowing about that. And now it isn't right. at all. Mm-hmm. But what I think they would argue that rock and roll, that Rolling Stone was always a pop culture magazine that reflected the youth of the time. Now, it just so happens in 1967 sure. when. When it was when it was first uh, created by Jan Wenner in San Francisco, that the counterculture, the the young c- culture's music was rock and roll, and that was the popular thing that they could reflect on and and bond with. Right. Well, and, and to put, pull that point a little further, I remember when Duran Duran was put on the cover of Rolling Stone and called the Fab Five. Right. <laughs> and what a big deal that was you know how dare you do that you know disperse the disperse the beatles and all that and it's like yeah guess what guess who was selling out arenas at that time duran duran yeah so they were reflecting like you said the popular you know voice at the time not just on the radio but the fans were into and that's what they realized well you know this is no longer uh, elton john or bruce springsteen this is this is the group of of the moment so we need to reflect that and they did the same with britney spears right. and Shania twain and others too yeah so i mean so now it's so you shouldn't be surprised if you see drake or or a uh, dua lipa or oompa loompa whatever the hucker name is <laughs> Or you know, or whatever. You yeah, know, all these, uh, yeah. These names of these exes. <laughs> yeah. you know? and, and I know we sound old when we say that, but it's true. It's like I look at some of these things. Or like, even Beyonce, even Beyonce. Yeah, <laughs> is that a name or is that a band <laughs> or is that like the chemical formula for something? Yeah. I don't know. But again, they're going to reflect that. So why don't you have that list? What what, what are some of the examples you got? As yeah. So so, that? but let me just say, so so the the the, um, the editor says that uh, the 2020 list no longer is rock-centric, but rather is now, and this is the phrase, right. a coalition of tastes. Ah. 
a coalition of tastes. Sounds like a stew. Yeah. And so apparently this list was compiled with uh, from like 300 ballots of musicians and producers and journalists and music executives. So these this is really not even fan-based. You know, this right. is this is more of a critical kind of insider thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and so here's the thing. Out of the 150 or the 500 greatest albums of all time, on this new list that came out in 2020, at the end of 2020, there were 154 new editions. Okay. Okay, so that's, I mean, that's not half, but that's a pretty good number. That's more than a fifth. Right, exactly. You know. Some, some substantial amount as far as editions go. 86 albums from the 21st century out of the 500 of all time. And here's the key. Three times as many rap albums than were on the original list in 2003. Okay. So three times as many rap. So you say, okay, how has the list changed since 2003? Because that will go back to the first list. Right. 18 years ago, the number one album was, what do you think? Of all time, the greatest album of all time. Dylan, Blonde on Blonde? No, no, that's interesting. But no, it was, of course, Sgt. Pepper. Okay, Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper. Okay. Where do you think Sgt. Pepper now shows up on this list? About 17, 18, something like that? 24. Oh. 24. Why have they fallen? I mean, come on. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know. You know, has a day in the life, has that song got any worse? Did some did they take out a verse I didn't know about? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a what a drop. I mean that and right. I mean you say, well, Jesus, 18 years. Yeah, but I mean, Sgt. Pepper has always you know, since it came out in nineteen sixty seven. I mean, think about it. It came out in nineteen sixty seven, and in two thousand three it was still considered the but number one album of yeah, all time. A vital, a vital, yeah, and rock and pop music and a and a vital statement. And it's dropped down to twenty. Yeah, so that would say that would say thirty some years. It remained right. the and then in eighteen it All went down to, to twenty-four. I mean, in fact, the Beatles don't even show up until number five in Abbey Road. Okay. So I mean, you t- we talked about okay, what are the what are the um the twenty the twentieth century rock era? Right in, in in the year twenty, you know twenty one fifty. What are they going to be talking about? And the Beatles don't even show. They go from number their their one album, the best album, what was supposedly drops on a twenty four, and then Abbey Road, which wasn't even in the top ten, mm-hmm. now be, is is at five. That's the highest. They, I mean, they're not. There's. They, it wasn't like well, we don't like Sergeant Pepper anymore, but we like Abbey Road better. Yeah, that's our choice. They dropped. They dropped to number five. You mentioned Bob Dylan. Now, he, I mean, Blonde on Blonde would I, I would think most people when you look at his albums, you are exactly correct. Mm-hmm. That's probably his best album. It was a double album, but that's not. No, Bob Dylan barely make he 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 comes in at number nine out of wow. so he's barely in the top ten, and now suddenly his album Blood on the Tracks is the one that everybody's talking about. Okay. As a, so that what comes in at number nine. So you got the Beatles at number five and Bob Dylan at number nine. Mm. And those are the names that we're saying may be the only names 
remembered remembered in the last next hundred years. So if those num if those names are the ones that we would expect, and they're barely in the top ten, yeah, and struggling to stay there. Then where is where is everyone else going to be? Now here's here's the big. This is the one that that really shows you the difference. So there's the the album is the Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Okay, and I remember that was a critically acclaimed record. I right, do remember that. Okay, in 2003, mm-hmm. out of the 500 greatest albums of all time, according to Rolling Stone, yeah, that album placed at number 312. Okay, what number do you think it was in 2020? Well, it's got to be in top ten, so like third or fourth. No, number ten. Number 10. From 312 to 10. Now, do they justify or explain the reason for that major shift? Well, you know, here's, here's in, a, in a nutshell here, or at least in an overview, what I think's going on here is that Rolling Stone and its editors, as well as all these people that had input into this, music insiders, journalists, they you know they want the magazine and they want themselves which is even more important to be relevant okay and i think they want to be viewed as relevant in the in the in the terms of recognizing different musical genres recognizing different genders mm-hmm. and recognizing different races so they're opening themselves up more, and because of that, we're some of the, quote classics are going to go by the wayside as far as a list. Well, think about the major. Uh, think of every band we just mentioned, mm-hmm. as far as these classic rock bands, right? Yeah. Okay. How many black artists did we mention? Uh, none. Well, um, Bruce and Clarence Clemens. <laughs> yeah, right. Man, okay. He wasn't an artist. <laughs> that doesn't count. Nice try. You're right. I give you an A for effort, but that you, you know, you're coming in the back door there. No, okay. No. How many? Wait. How many? How many were African American? None. Zero. How many were female? None. <laughs> and how many? terribly white. And how many were not rock based? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's, so that's I think, changed. yeah, so this is, so, and clearly, um, so when, when, so now, as I said, Rolling Stone on a regular basis, uh, and the only reason, to be honest with you, the only reason I even receive Rolling Stone anymore is because I, I several years ago, I got a, I got an offer of a lifetime subscription that, that was ridiculously low to, mm-hmm. for me to turn down because I probably would not get this magazine anymore because it right. really, I, it, I, I, I don't know, I don't know three quarters of anybody that they're talking about. Yeah, I can't even remember. It's been at least four or five years since I've even picked up a copy at the newsstand. So I think that they are they are rightly as a as a I would consider themselves if they if, if they if you ask them as a pop culture magazine that is now reporting on the music of the day, as much as we may lament the fact that rock and roll is no longer the, the dominant thing, they have to face that reality. Yeah, and they're reflecting it. And the other part I was going to say, Jim, is there, you know, there's been a shift, okay, and they're recognizing other artists and things. And that's, it's like people say, well, they're rewriting history. They're not rewriting history. They're just reinterpreting what is vital, 
Okay, when I looked at that list, and I know you're going to get to a couple more of them too, I'm like, I think because, like you said, reflective of the times, they have to keep a more open mind to say what is vital now, which may change in 10 years too. Well, but here, you know, and, I, and I, I agree with you, but I would also argue that we can, you know, we can change the future, right, in terms of, the, to your point, as how we um, evaluate it. Right. And 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 respect it. We can change that in the future. Like you're saying, geez, you know, okay, we got to we got to look at every name, you know, every every group we listed, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't see why we have to diminish the past mm-hmm. while we elevate the future. Mm-hmm. See, I think what's going on now is that we're elevating the future, but we are completely disregarding and disrespecting and diminishing the past. And I don't see why that has to be done. Yeah. And, and so, like, for instance, in this list, like, I mean, here, um, so we're talking about some of the legend- legendary names. Rolling Stones, the highest they come in is, with, with their first time on this list, is at number 14. And which one was that? Was, was that uh, XL on Main Street? Yeah. Um, okay. Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, First, first, um, first appearance on the list, 21. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't have the specific albums here, but uh, so Bowie's first, uh, uh, first um, entry is at number 40. Okay. And David Bowie these days, since he passed away, is, has been elevated to God status. Yeah, exactly. It was a good career move. <laughs> Pink you know, Floyd. Is, you know. Yeah, Pink Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. Pink Floyd. The wall, dark side, of the moon. The dark side of the moon, animals, animals. Yeah, I mean, dark side of the moon was literally on the charts for like ten years. Yeah, decades. Yeah, number fifty-five, first time. Wow. Led that, Zeppelin, that... Led Zeppelin, fifty-eight. Mm. The Who, seventy-seven. That's their first entry. Seventy-seven. Is who's? Next? I think it's who's next. Yeah. Okay. Now here, and then forget about classic. Look at this. You too. You too, right? More, more contemporary, vital band, still touring and playing football stadiums. 135. Wow. Now here's the best part. This is my point about, about diminishing the past mm-hmm. while trying to elevate the future. Right. Kanye West. And I, have ne- I don't own one of his albums, I can't even tell you one of his songs, to be honest with you. And I'm not, I'm not bragging, or I'm not, I'm not being ashamed or anything. That's just the fact. Yeah. I, apparently, he's got an album called "My Dark, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy." Okay. I, did you ever hear of that? No. No. That's number seventeen. No kidding. You know what number one hundred eighteen is? What? Hotel California. Eagles. That's and that's their first entry in there. I don't think it's the first. I think it might be, but I mean, Hotel Hotel California is a staple album. I mean, of of the seventies. Yeah, and and going back again, when you talk about (laughs) albums that you own, where it's like, well, you have to own this because it's it's a Mount Rushmore album. Hotel California is certainly on there, and just like the other ones you mentioned are too. Sure. So my point is. Why why suddenly is Hotel California mm-hmm. number eight one hundred eighteen? Yeah. And Kanye West is seventeen 
I mean, and I mean, I, I mean, I'm once again, I, I'm not saying I, I don't, I don't know Kanye West's music. I don't, I'm not a fan of rap music. I've said that many times. I'm not diminishing Kanye West. Mm-hmm. Perhaps this music and this album was groundbreaking within the world of rap and pop. That's possible. Right. That may be the case. I certainly hope it is. If it's that high in the ranking, sure. But how? But but at the same time. Does an album like Hotel California, which is seminal, which is defining of an era, why does that have to fall to to somewhere? I mean, I, I would have thought that was number 10. Right. And yet it's number 118. Now, here's what I think is the key to this whole conversation. In terms of wanting to reflect today's world, wanting to reflect today's perspective on things wanting to culture and society and 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 i i understand that and music has always been a part of that especially since the rock you know rock and roll era it became socially conscious as well as popular i was the album that is number one that 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 replaced the beatles Okay. I have no problems in saying this is a great album. Okay. I can't believe it's the greatest album of all time. Mm-hmm. But when you consider the other influences, it makes perfect perfect sense. Now I gave and, you the and, list. And, and I know I know which album is. I'll let you say it in a second. Again, think of the paradigm switch. The again the the culture. And the way things are looked at today. So that number one album is Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On," which is now. Now here's my <laughs> quick question: Where was that in '03? I'm curious. You know what? Let me see if I had that. Um, I don't know if you have a list or not. Uh, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was on the top 500 because this. That, oh, it was certainly on the top 500, but it was yeah, not number that, one. That's a major, that, that was a major release. Uh, oh yeah, no. I mean, and once again, it is one of the great albums of all time. Sure. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know if, but and and if you think about it, so right away, I mean, I say, wow, what a shocker, because mm-hmm. I'm sure it wasn't in the top ten. You know, in the in the in the previous thing, right. but it makes perfect sense if you look at the current climate of the country. Yep. And and don't forget, Rolling Stone's motives for putting this list together, which is to appeal to a younger generation, yep. to get new subscribers, and to be as relevant to this new generation in terms of kind of this touchstone of what's cool and what isn't. Yeah, which Rolling Stone, of. which yeah, which Rolling Stone used to be, to in today's world. So. In a in a post George Floyd world, which we are in now, especially right after this verdict, yep, you know, with with uh, with Black Lives Matters and uh, you know and and protesters going out into the streets and wanting change and well, if, you know, what's going on is a rallying cry. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's t- it, you know, go ahead. It's a way to, and I'll give you a side thing in a second, but it's a way of saying, hey, here's something from the past that can be moved to right now and related to, like you said, 
what's happening in the world. What's what, what, what do you see on TV every day uh, as far as the protests or, like you said, the trial and all the things that are happening in American culture that is, you know, even though some of that was going on at the time when that album first came out, when Marvin Gaye's album first came out, it's more dominant and prevalent today. Yeah, I mean, this movie, this, that album came out literally 50 years ago this year. Yeah. 50 years ago and sadly as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a kind of indictment on on our society mm-hmm. this album released 50 years ago in 1971 talked about racism inequality police brutality racial injustice urban violence guns <laughs> drug addiction the environment and, and here's the problem. 50 years uh, later, we haven't made too much progress. No. And that's what I was thinking about when I saw the list. Yeah. Because I'm like, boy, we're actually kind of going backwards here, aren't we? I mean, every. I mean, that's why if, in terms of relevancy, despite it, sadly, despite it being 50 years old, it is speaking mm-hmm. directly to today's problems as well as the issues that are dominating our society. And so I'm not, I'm not. Uh, denigrating the album, it is a great a great album, uh, you know. And that song, "What's Going On," itself is is a classic. There's no question. Yep. But at the same time, if you're coming out now with a list of the greatest albums of all time, and your goal is to appeal to today's generation, mm-hmm. then there may be no better album to to fit in and be as be as relevant as. This album, even though it might not be the greatest album of all time, it certainly checks a lot of the boxes if you want to have those other outside influences also get into the mix of how you rate the album. Well, I was going to say, first of all, it's not the greatest album of all time, but at this time, like you said, and this, in this time in our social climate, it is so relevant. And here's the best part. I don't know if you saw the commercial for it. This Sunday, CNN is doing a special on that album. No, they're do, they're, they're, they're they've interviewed a bunch of people. <laughs> I didn't even know that. How perfect is this? I, I saw I saw it the other day, and and they said they're going to talk about Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On," and they interviewed some artists. And one, I forget which artist said, "Wow, uh, really, a, really a profound uh, statement." All those years ago, and and see where it is today. It's on CNN this coming weekend. I think it might be seven or eight o'clock at night. Uh, and obviously they'll repeat it a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, so yeah, we'll have to look for that. And, and, obviously, and obviously, like I said, obviously something like the Rolling Stone list probably woke them up right. to check that out again and again go, wow, like you said, the ecology, uh, <laughs> racial injustice, police brutality, black lives, etc. It's like, wow, that stuff 50 years ago is still going on now. This is why we're going to examine this. So it should be an interesting special. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, don't forget, there's a song, you know, Mercy, Mercy Me, you know, in quotes, is called The Ecology. Ecology, yeah. Inner City Blues, in, in parentheses, that song is called Make Me Want to Holler. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it totally speaks to it. And, and so, I mean, and, here, and here's the key, too, about this list. So the top 10 now, right, once again, we were mentioning – all those great rock bands, right? Bob Dylan, The Beatles, The Who, right. The Kinks, blah, 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 blah. Pink Zeppelin, Floyd, yeah. Led Zeppelin, all those things. In this list now, the top 10, four African-American artists, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Prince, and Lauryn Hill. Okay. Two women, Joni Mitchell's Blue is in the top three, I believe. 
okay. with Lauren Hill. And then Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, and of course that, if you think about that album, it's kind of female-dominated with Stevie Nicks and, sure. uh, and Christy McVie. Mm-hmm. Handling aside, you know, from you know the big hits were pretty much the the songs by the women. Right. I mean, "Go Your Own Way" was a hit, but besides that, you had "Dreams" and you had you know, "You Make Love and Fun" and "Don't Stop." I mean, those are all female led songs. Uh, one other thing about that, when you mentioned the song "Dreams," what song got super popular last year when that guy was skateboarding? <laughs> right. That might have woke somebody up to say, "Hey, you know what? Dreams is on that Fleetwood Mac album. We should put that in that top 10. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I, 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 when I looked over the whole list, uh, I don't, I didn't have any. Even though there were some albums that, even, even the albums I've never heard of or heard, I, I, the artists that they were by, I, I, I assumed that they were the best albums by that person, and those people, even though they may not be my favorites, I understood, I understood why they were there. Yeah. So I didn't have any qualms with going through the whole list, the top 500. But what, except I have to say, the one I did have a problem with was, I believe, number 499 or 500, which was Ask Rufus by Shaka Khan and Rufus. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So I don't know if Nile Rodgers or somebody is having some undue, uh, you know, influence into this list, because I don't know where that came from. But but I see and I understand that that why are there why they're there, but I I think if you know if we're in this I think would have I would have I would have appreciated this list more especially because the disparity in the way the numbers have just changed right, change, so much so so much exactly that I'm wondering I'm sorry go ahead no, no, go ahead yeah I'm just wondering should this list if, if you're you know don't forget we're in we're in an era now too where you know everybody gets a trophy yeah. Right? Nobody wins anymore. Right, just participation. You're part of this game. Yeah. yeah. So I think moving forward, I know it, 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 it helps for a discussion just like what we're doing here because if it didn't have this list, we wouldn't be talking about it. So Rolling Stone knows what they're doing marketing-wise. Yeah. As far as getting people to buzz, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I would say I wouldn't have had such a problem if they would have said, here is a list of the 500 greatest albums of all time Listed alphabetically. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Let's just let's just get rid of the numbers. Right. Get rid of the rankings and the classification of this is more vital. Right. Than an album at 110. Right. And that and, and the other part of that is then you can look up your favorite artist and go, well, I love Elton John, so I'm going to look at the E. Right. You know, and just look at. It but then I say, okay, you know what? Um, Hotel California is on there. It should be. Yeah. Right. I shouldn't say. Why is Kanye West at 17 and Hotel California is at 118? Right. I would just say, okay, okay, Kanye West is on there. He probably deserves to be on there given his popularity and and his impact in the hip-hop world. I have no problems with that. Okay, Lauryn Hill's album, like you said, you remember when it came out? Oh, I remember that was was a really big deal record. I I certainly remember that. Yeah, so I, I think that maybe moving forward, since we are in this era of... You know, no competition. Um, it might be best. So to once again get to back to my earlier point of why do we have to diminish the past mm-hmm. when we elevate the present? Why can't we celebrate the present and celebrate the past? Right, and, and, and actually, it's a great idea to do that alphabetically 
because then you're just again we talk about inclusion. Everybody's included and nobody's marginalized. And well, that's perfect. Yeah, that's that's exactly correct. Yeah, because you know what what kills me is in today's world we are preaching tolerance, mm-hmm. and in our effort to have a more tolerant society, we are being intolerant. Right. We're not. You know, when you don't have when you don't have Hotel California in the top hundred or the top twenty, you're not including them. But my know? point is, like with this whole cancel culture thing, you know, if if you're saying I'm canceling you mm-hmm. because you don't think correctly, yeah, or, or or the way I want you, to. then I yeah, because you have to put correctly in quotes because mm-hmm. what is correctly that's subjective. But if I'm canceling you because you don't think correctly then aren't you being intolerant to someone else's um, uh, you know, viewpoint just as, as you have felt that your viewpoint had been overlooked so long in the past? Exactly. So yeah. you cannot preach tolerance and then be intolerant. It, it, you, can't, you either have to be tolerant and have to, you know, I have no problems with, with, um, with, with evolving in thought and, and inclusion. No problems, but I don't think you should have ec- inclusion by excluding. Right, and just pushing <laughs> others aside, yeah. <laughs> diminishing them. Now, the other thing that I'm actually kind of proud of, um, when I went through the list of one of the best 500 albums of all time, I was happy to say that of the 500, I have in my collection 175. Okay, so you're better than twenty percent. That's good. And I have nine of the top ten albums. Okay, and you know why? Because I don't have Lauren Hill's album. Well, you have to go out and buy that now. <laughs> I, I I remember, and I remember her being interviewed when that, and, and it won a bunch of awards and things. And I love the title of it. That was a great title. Um, and it was it was one of those, you know, if you want to say like like what a Who's Next is or a Hotel California. You know, for that genre of music, that was a big stamp, a big time stamp when that record came out. I do remember that. And look, I mean, I understand that if people are listening to this, uh, especially some younger people, if, if by any chance they even know it exists, they're like, okay, who are, who are these two middle-aged white guys talking about music? And, you know, and, and maybe we do sound like we belong in another era, but this is my point. Does The fact is that we do have knowledge of this music we do have a history of this music and why should our views and and knowledge of this be discounted right be diminished be diminished just because it's not in keeping of the music of today which again i am not i mean i i, I have nothing against any of the music today. As I said, every, every, as Paul Simon said on his Graveson album, every generation throws a hero up the pop charts. Yep. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. I get it. And I, and I am, and I am more than happy to pass the baton to someone else mm-hmm. and, and, and let, if, if, if that's the music, but, but at the same time, I just don't think like, uh, why? If I say I don't watch the Grammys anymore, I'm not being indicting. No, of the Grammys. I'm just saying. I, 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 why should I? I can't. It's it's not my kind of music. 
it's I don't know any of the songs. I don't know the artist. So why should I watch it? Right. Well, the phrase I used to use is, you know, now you don't want to be called a hater. Right. Just like you said, you don't have a, like, a lot of identification to it. The phrase I use when people ask me about things like that is I use the phrase, it's not for me. <laughs> right. And, 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 and not, that, that, that's not saying it's terrible. I'm not saying your music sucks or, uh, you know, like I said, where are the instruments and all that? Although I do wonder where the guitars and yeah. the drums are. Yeah. But it's not for me. Yeah. And, and, and it's, if it's for you, hey, you know, go with God and enjoy. And that's your thing. But it's not for me. Yeah. And as I said, I, I am very, at this point, and I actually, it, 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 and from my standpoint, it happened at a very early age, earlier than I would have expected it to happen, is that I saw the, the gap beginning mm-hmm. very early on. And I was probably in my mid to late 30s, mm-hmm. even in, even in the, the, the subset of rock, where rock and roll, whatever it was at that time, was going. Right. And I was like, you know, this isn't really my cup of tea. Just to your point, it's not my cup of tea. Now, if someone says, oh, like I said, you know, I mean, Oopa Loompa or whatever her name is, you know, or a Beyonce. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not, once again, saying I don't like their music, but the fact of the matter is I like rock and roll. Right. So... If I like rock and roll, I'm sorry, I can't like Beyonce or or Jay Z. That it's 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 a it's a different music. Yeah. Different so reference. it's not just because oh it's new music mm-hmm. or it's you know oh you're stuck in the, you're stuck in the past. No, I like I like my my preferred musical genre is rock and roll. Yeah. So if I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I, there were times when I didn't even in in my in my in my heyday. If it wasn't rock and roll, I didn't like it. You know, we're not too old. Everybody thinks we're so old, but we're not so old that don't forget when rap was beginning, we were in our twenties. Yeah, exactly. You know, when 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 Run DMC, you know, uh, combined with Aerosmith or the Beastie Boys or the first, you know, the first rap. Right, we were in our mid twenties. Flash, or, or or even before that, I was just the beginning of college when Blondie did Rapture. Right, and and that was a white blonde girl doing rap. Yeah, you but know, I mean, even Bootsy Collins and Parliament, and that stuff was all around. Right, but I didn't listen to it. It wasn't. I didn't. I I liked rock and roll music, so I, I wasn't. It wasn't like oh well, that's a, from a different era. No, no, rock and roll and rap. That was my era. Sure, I just didn't like it. Yeah, and again, in fairness, like you said, there are still rock songs that you know some people didn't like. When the grunge era came out, especially with Nirvana, I was not understanding that attraction, and that was in the rock genre. That you know, I like rock. I'm like, you know what? That record, I don't like. I like Pearl Jam. I didn't like. I didn't like Nirvana. That well, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I saw the diver- I started that diversion, and so you figure in 1993 or 94, I was only 30. But I was like, you know what? I'm not getting this. Yeah. And the irony about grunge is that many at the time thought it was gonna it was rock saving grace. Oh yeah, that was like the thing that you know, everybody with the flannel shirts and the whole thing. Well, it was just that okay that, that finally there was a new rock music that was kind of capturing the moment again. Yeah. Because it had been a while since yeah. rock had that pre- prominent thing but you think about i my my view on this is the irony is that grunge was supposed to be rock's savior i 
argue that it actually helped kill rock and roll because grunge was so aggressive and so niche. Because you think about the roots of grunge, it's basically speed metal and punk. Right. And that's not a mainstream music. Yeah, it's not the kind of thing that's going to appeal to a lot of people. No, and, and you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not just I'm not trying to sound sexist here. At the end of the day, girls want to dance. Yeah. <laughs> girls girls want to dance. <laughs> and so what gave, you know, I believe, think about the dichotomy of that time. Why do you think Britney Spears and NSYNC and the boy bands and Christina Aguilera, why did they become popular? Because they were filling the void and the need for pop dancey music in the face of this aggressive, you know, grunge, which was getting a lot of popularity. But people were going, like your point, well, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, but I, I can't dance to this. Yeah. And again, it was a complete opposite. It was a 180 degree difference. So they were able to, like you said, make their bones with that while the grunge thing was happening. And then, then rock, like you said, I think somewhat diminished some of its. Well, because out of that, because then out of all that pop, once that pop took over, then that's where hip hop came in. Right. You know, rappers started, you know, started to get into that, into the, into that pop sound. And then you had your, you, and you still had your Mariah Carey's then, you know, and your, and your Whitney Houston's that were, you know, playing into the pop with, with your new, you know, uh, you know, uh, versions of, uh, as I said before, Britney Spears and Christiane Aguilera at that time. And so it was, it was a reaction to that, just like disco was a reaction to Led Zeppelin yep. and, 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 the, and the Who and all the rock of the mid-70s. Exactly. You know, so, uh, but I said, I, I, I wasn't, I, 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 that, I was starting to drift away from new music even back then. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, it's, it, to, and I love that phrase, it was not for me. Yeah. That, that, I, I have nothing against it. I could, I'll, I'll, I'll sing, I'll sing a, a Britney Spears song. There's no question that they're catchy, you know, hook-filled songs. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a Britney Spears album. Right. I don't even have a Madonna album. Yeah. So you yeah. know, and once again, that's I was in my mid twenties. Why shouldn't I have a Madonna album? Exactly. Big, big popular. I mean, about yeah. Eighty three, eighty four, when her record started coming out. Yeah. And uh, and again, everybody has their tastes. And the other thing I was noticing too, when you talk about the newer music too, is I in, in, in more modern day times, like now, I appreciate some of the acts that years ago I, I liked them, but I wasn't really into them as much. Like, say, give me an example, like a Boston or a Super Tramp. I mean, I listened to their songs, I knew their songs and all that. I appreciate them more now because. There isn't any like you said. There isn't anything new coming out that makes me worthy. That makes it worthy. Like oh, I want to hear someone. Someone so comes out with a new app. Like I mentioned, the Black Keys or some of these other rock acts that still are around or, or that are putting out stuff. That it's like you said. I, I don't really like this, so I'm going to go look backwards and find stuff to appreciate that maybe I didn't do the first time around. And plus, I think as you get older, the need to be cool isn't there anymore. 
Oh, it's like the, I, I've said this a million times. I quote the Devo song. I'm through being cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I was through being cool 20 years ago. I didn't care. And, and, and so much of what the music that you listen to when you're, when you're younger is that's also a, a contributing factor. Yeah. You want to be cool. And, and I actually, at this point, um, my view, and like I said, for many years, I'm, I, I'm happy, happy to listen to the music. I'm like, you know what? This is the music I like. I'm, I'm not worried about what anyone says about it because I'm listening to it. It's either in my headphones. Yep. My face. So, yeah. So why, yeah. So why do I care? And I'm, so I'm not going to try to pretend mm-hmm. to like something or try to be hip when I don't feel it. I don't care. And really I'm not out to impress anybody. I think you're the, you're the coolest when you don't try to be cool. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's and it's funny you say that phrase because I think I wrote about this last year in one of my blogs. Was uh, it was the anniversary of when Tom Petty passed away? You know, a couple of years before that. And I and I wrote at the time. I, I saw him on an interview a few years before he died, when he was on CBS Sunday Morning. And I decided Tom Petty was the <laughs> coolest rock star <laughs> because he didn't care. Right. He didn't have like the cool outfits or the preening on stage. He was just doing his thing. And like like you just said, that's the ultimate of cool. Like, I really don't worry about what others are thinking. I'm just going to do my thing. And that's where you're not playing to anyone except what you like to do. And for me, forgive me, but that's what I consider cool. Yeah, and especially in today's world, as we said earlier in the conversation, we are a much less communal society anyway. Yeah. And so we're all about individualism. So once again, by me being into my music and whether it's 50 years old or whether it's whatever, that's who I am. Yeah. That's what I want to listen to. You're free to listen to whatever you want. You're free to, you know, to to uh, you know go with the crowd and and whatever I mean I I mean what's sad is I don't know if you've ever seen um, this uh, this new version of Name That Tune I haven't had a chance to watch that but you've told me about it where well it's 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 the most depressing show I've ever seen <laughs> for me because I'm like oh great a new a new uh, a new version of Name That Tune I had to, I had to turn it off and I'm not joking. I had to turn it off after about seven minutes. And that was because? I knew none of the songs. Like, never heard of that one. Never heard of it. And, 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 and the sad, and the sad uh, part is you know that the people in the audience oh, are like, oh, we know that song. Oh, like and, they're, they're naming that tune in three notes. Yeah, and Jim's just like, who? Yeah, I don't even know the song. I don't even know the band they're talking about. Jim Jim's like the guy that goes to high school, comes in on a Monday, and everybody's talking about the prom, and Jim goes, there was a prom? Yeah, what? Know about that. Yeah. I mean, I was so depressed. And then they're like, and then they go, okay, uh, you know, okay, uh, Carol, now we're going we're, we're gonna to throw an oldie in at you. It's from 1995. <laughs> so I still don't know it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, could you imagine if they played a Buddy Holly song? <laughs> they'd be like what, what dinosaur did you fall off when you were listening to that well yeah I mean that's like if, if, if that's like playing a Buddy Holly song which like came out in like 1957 right yeah that would be so that, think about that that's like 64 years ago 
Right. So from from if we were in the seventies or eighties, <laughs> that's like somebody playing a Rudy Valley song. Yeah. And we're going, Well, in my dad loved Rudy Valley. I love anybody you know that song? That, everybody knows that song. Yeah, I, I love anybody who sings into a megaphone. Yeah, so uh like I said, uh, to wrap things up here, um it was a it was a very the the Rolling Stone twenty twenty five hundred album list of uh, greatest albums of all time was a was shocking to some extent. Mm-hmm. It was surprising, yet it wasn't, but and now that we're talking, ultimately I just think it was very humbling. Yeah. Because it really did now that it now that it is not rock centric and now that it is a coalition coalition of tastes, yeah, um, it really goes to show just as what you just said that uh, while we're getting old, while we are passing the torch, while we are sounding just like our parents, even though we thought we never would, yep, swore we never would. <laughs> um, but it really does co- go to show you that once again, I think moving forward, you either have to decide whether, you know, your music is your music mm-hmm. and you're happy with that. And there's no question that, I mean, and then, I mean, I can't wait for the, for the 2027 list. Yeah. Cause if you think the Beatles fell on this list, They'll be lucky to crack the uh, uh, crack the uh, top two hundred. Yeah, and, and I mean, I mean, I'm, I, I haven't, I don't have the list in front of me, but I don't even know where Elvis. Too, we were talking about Elvis earlier. I don't even know where he shows up. Yeah, well, with Elvis too. Keep in mind, he wasn't so much an was, album guy. Yeah, that's was, true. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Most of it. I was going to ask you one real quick note. Um, where did El- I mean, Elton's uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road obviously had to land somewhere? I think where, it was like one thirty-seven or something. Was, it was like was that his was that his top place? Oh yeah, I would think. yeah. Okay, yeah. But uh, you know, like I said, maybe it wasn't even that high. I don't, I don't even know. But uh, I mean, I tell you, it's just a, uh, it, it's just a, it's I guess the biggest, uh, the biggest, I guess takeaway is it was quite a wake-up call. Sure. And once again, I mean, in terms of Rolling Stones motives. I think it was a well-executed thing. They they certainly brought their list and brought their 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 magazine, yep. into 2021, right. trying to make it re- relevant and trying so to showing their awareness of the cultural yeah. changes and again relating it again. Like you said, a 50 year old out Marvin Gaye. Like I said, I'm looking forward to this Sunday thing on CNN because I want to see all the ideas and thoughts and how they relate. We, we, we already know how they relate, but they're going to get into specifics. So it should be interesting to see what they talk about. And I have to say that when I got this list initially, uh, it did motivate me to go back and listen to that album. And there's no question. Mm-hmm. It's a great album. Yeah. I don't know if it's the greatest album of all time, right. but it's certainly the greatest album of all time in these times. Or that, or I was just going to say, greatest album of our time, meaning exactly specifically yeah. now. So of this time, yeah. To the, yeah, exactly. So, so there you go. Well, I want to thank uh, Mick Kaler for uh, for joining us. Thanks to uh, our new pandemic technology. Hey, uh, anytime, bud. Always uh, fun talking to you. Um, usually I try to keep these uh, these podcasts to an hour. I'm looking, and I'm at the 126 mark, and you know what? Jimmy Crackhorn and I don't care. 
and, and we hope this was for you and then and, and not for you right <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right exactly well mick uh hopefully this can be the beginning uh of you uh taking part in the podcast again it was always fun to talk it's always fun to hear your your uh opinions and uh share your expertise and your humor and uh, uh i've always enjoyed talking to you for and, and this is sad we have next year we will know we will have known each other for 40 years there you go <laughs> i know I, I, my, my best friend who i've known since i was 12 you know 48 years bud 48 years we've known each other oh you know? that is well you know to put the, but to put it in perspective real quickly because next week i'm going to put a blog up about it uh next week marks the 50th anniversary when the Chicago Blackhawks broke my heart by losing to the Canadians four games oh. in the NHL Finals. Oh, 50 Tony. years ago. Oh, Tony O missed that bad shot. Yeah. Jacques yeah, Lemire. Yeah. And, 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 then, and then Andre Richard outfaked uh, Magnuson and put in the game winner. Oh. And you'll, you'll read more about it, but that was 50 years ago, pal. Wow. And Tony Esposito just turned 78. Oh, my God. <laughs> Still dying that hair, isn't he? I know. <laughs> Phil let his go great. Tony's dying it. All right. Well, uh, Mick, thank you again for uh, taking part. We were looking at the uh, top 500 albums of all time. And I guess the best way for me when I looked at this list and looked at uh, all the names and the way the rock and roll music uh, entries had plummeted and other forms of music uh, had risen to the top, my only reaction was, what's going on? <laughs> and so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Don't forget, every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or go to wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And also, don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, send them a link, send them a message that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and your devotion and that little extra effort is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 259. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.